0: My name is Joe Kate, and I'm the minister here. It's my great pleasure to be here. If you are a visitor here, we're so happy that you're here. Um, Please let us know that. We'll um, reach out to you and make you feel as welcome as possible. Starting in August, we'll start having what I call welcome classes once a month, where um, we meet together. You meet other newcomers, um, meet staff from the church, and take a tour of the church. And I feel like I'll learn something on that tour as well uh, for probably the next year. Um, But if you're a visitor today, um, we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us. Um, I have very limited announcements for the day. Um, Wish you a happy fourth weekend. I'm I'm grateful that y'all are here. I know it's been a busy week for you. Probably made a good bit of travel um, to be here. Um, The only announcement I've got is um, from me, and that is, if you are on Facebook, I wish that you would come and find me. Um, Because I don't know to find you. Uh, So if you'll uh, reach out and make sure that we're friends on Facebook, I'll make sure and respond. And then um, Facebook is really a tremendous tool for a pictorial directory um, so that I can, uh, it's actually far more updated um, than a pictorial directory usually is. But that lets me know um, who you are and uh, what you're up to. So um, I believe that's all of our announcements. So let's uh, stand briefly and make sure everyone feels welcome here at Memorial if you greet each other. you so much for being friendly to those around you. If uh, you'll be seated, we'll turn our hearts towards the Lord.
1: Morning, guys. Oh, I just want to talk to you for just a brief minute. Um, a couple weeks ago, the youth took a trip to Sockahatchee. Um, if any of you guys know anything about that, you know it's a trip that um, we go as a group. And when we get there, we're split off um, into six different groups that work on houses for people that uh, just need a little something done and need a little hand. Um, and so we took a group a couple weeks ago and Carson and Mark Radline are going to come up and they're going to tell you just a little bit about what we did. Um, The adults as well as the kids are split up um, and and they're on different sites and so we all get to have the same kind of experience Um, and so it's a really cool trip it was really awesome for us because we haven't I haven't been since I was in youth group which really wasn't that long ago Um, but it was really cool for me to, get to go back as a leader, um, as an adult. So they're gonna share with you just a quick minute about their experience and how that was for them.
2: Hey guys, um, recently went to talk at you as Paige said and um, on uh, my site there was a, we helped this old lady called Miss Thomas, Miss Claretta Thomas. And she was, she was really sweet. She was like just really old black lady. And she just, she was, she was really awesome. She was always looking forward to us coming. And um, she had a lot of things wrong with her house. Uh, mainly her floor was all rotted out. And um, there were some places where it was only carpet holding it up. So we had to rip that stuff out. And um, we had to replace her cabinets. And uh, her kitchen floor, we put a vanity in her bathroom. And um, uh, outside, we built her a well house around her well, because that was um, all screwed up. And um, um, that was part of that I mainly worked on. But yeah, and um, it was super awesome. And uh, I just, Miss Clara was super cool. like. Like, no matter what we did to her house, she was always really grateful. And uh, I just really appreciate having this experience. And um, I'm definitely going to go back next year. So come on, Dad.
3: <laughs>
4: Good morning. Thank you. Uh, my motivation for going originally was to spend more time with Carson. And uh, I ended up finding it being rewarding on many, many different levels for me, not only as a father, but uh, as a man, a husband, and a Christian, I learned a great deal about myself and about what was going on. Um, First thing I probably learned was when you spend a great deal of time with a lot of youth, you don't learn what anything is. You learn what everything is like. Um, But the site that I was on was a family named the McDaniels and to start off they were hoarders so not only did they have a lot of opportunities with their home we had to clear out debris that was stacked to the ceiling uh, to the tune of about three skid dumpster loads Um, from there we had uh, a roof that was leaking in multiple spots so we had to replace drywall everywhere inside the house as well as put a new roof on the house uh, the sub floors were rotted out we had to tear the kitchen cabinets out and replace those um, I'd say the moment that really rang the most true to me was now forgetting that it was blisteringly hot the entire week because it totally was after uh, Thursday we had completed the roof and we just had some touch-up work to do Friday and it rained like you wouldn't believe Thursday night and when we showed up on the site Friday morning Ms. McDaniel was crying she's like last night was the first night i never had to put pots out to catch the rainwater coming through my roof and that was the most you know touching moment to me for it Um, but it's incredibly rewarding to do it and i would recommend to any you know parent who's got a child reaching the age to do it that you will find a bond with them in it and you will find it very rewarding to yourself being a part of so I would say if you have the chance please do it i know i will
1: so overall we had a really good experience Um, i can't wait to take them back for a second year and not only are the parents of the youth invited to come but any of you guys are welcome to come it's a lot of work um, and it's a long day we probably worked from about um, seven in the morning and had an hour break for lunch and then left at five and so that was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of the girls that had signed up, like, yeah, let's go. And then they had to work all day. Um, but it was really good, and it's a really cool experience. And it, it was it was really cool for me, too. Actually, Carson and I were on the same site. Um, and so it was really cool for me to get to know Carson a little bit better in a different way and then get to know the other kids. Um, so, yeah, I would invite any of you guys that want to be involved in any way. And Marsha mentioned in the 9 o'clock service that um, the church is actually hosting a meal for a different Saucahatchee camp. So we went to the camp in Piedmont, but there's camps all over the state. Um, and there's a camp that comes to Memorial and gets a meal for that one hour you get in between your workday. Um, and so if anyone would like to volunteer or donate... Um, any money to the cause, to the food that they're going to get, that would be great. So just contact her, contact um, Cindy Miller. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, Paige. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this house where we may come and worship. And we ask that the words that we proclaim in our hymns in our songs, and our anthems, the words that we read in our text, the word that is proclaimed in the sermon, and the words that we say in our prayers, that everything may honor You and empower us to live in Your Word this day. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our first hymn, God of the Ages. see
5: ladies what did you celebrate yesterday
3: Fourth of July.
5: what did you do to celebrate the 4th of July
3: fireworks mm-hmm. uh-huh.
5: did you have fun
3: yeah.
5: okay um, the 4th of July is a celebration of our country's independence on July the 4th 1776 our country declared its independence and with that independence comes responsibilities. And our country has changed over the years, but our leaders have always tried to make good choices and do what's best for our country, for our people. What are some things that you can do now that you couldn't do when you were a baby?
3: Um, like um, not walk and talk when you were a baby. Okay,
5: so you can walk and talk now without any help, right? Okay, what else can you do? Can you feed yourself? Can you can any of you tie your shoes? Do you know how to do that yet? Okay. Um, can you put on your own clothes? Okay. Well, when you learn how to do those things all by yourself, you're becoming independent. Now, I want you to hold this for me. You know, my lessons always have paper involved. Hold close to me to my mouth. Thank you. Do you know what the word independence starts with? What letter? No? It's the letter I. Do you know that letter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to cut out an I here. This is the letter I, and I stands for independence. Okay, with independence, you, it comes responsibility for yourself and, and for your actions. And in a little while, Reverend Kate is gonna talk about Psalm 3. And in Psalm 3, David has run away from his son Absalom. And David was not in power at this time. He wasn't a king, he wasn't in power, but he was running away from traitors. And traitors are people who do bad things against you. They're not for you, they're against you. And David in Psalm 3 reminds us that when all are against us, when everything looks like it's going wrong, God is still with us. And the theme of Psalm 3 is to be confident in your trust in God for protection and peace. Now, do you know the alphabet? Okay, let's say it up to the letter I. You ready?
3: A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. There.
5: Okay, this is our I that I made out of the paper. Now, do you know what comes next? H, I, J. J comes next. Okay, hold this again. Here's our J, Whoops. and J stands for Jesus. If you're going to be independent, that's fine, but you've still got to be dependent. That means you have to count on Jesus. You can't have the I without the J. You can't be independent without Jesus, because Jesus is going to help you to make good choices and help you to be a better person. So that's our lesson for today. Can we say a prayer, please? Bow your heads for me. Dear Heavenly Father, help us in our journey to be independent and in our journey to be responsible people to always remember to count on Jesus and to call on him because he's always with us. We may be independent, but we're always dependent on Jesus. In in his name we pray. Amen.
6: scripture lesson this morning is from Psalm 3, found on page 844 in your Bible in the pew. O Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen.
7: White with thaw- four
0: places all over the state and all over this nation today who have traveled a great distance to celebrate this week. And we ask that you be with them in their travel both there and home. There are many people who celebrate a little too much and put themselves at risk this week. We ask that you be with them, that they may be protected. There are those who are around the world serving us in military and they are in dangerous places. We ask for your presence among them on both sunny days and stormy days. Help us, Lord, as we celebrate the things that we love about America to understand, number one, your blessing of it and number two, our enormous duty to bless others in your name. The calling that you placed on us to reach out to those that are less fortunate to us never, ever ends. And as we hear the text proclaimed, as we sing the hymns of telling your story, make them uh, resonate in our hearts and minds. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. God has been so generous to us throughout this week, and it's time for us to return thanks with our tithes and other offerings. you a couple of things about what we will do going forward. I don't know that I'll make very many changes at all, um, especially until I can talk to every bit of the leadership about everything that we're doing in every phase. Um, One thing that I would love to do right off the bat is to have communion on the first Sunday of the month in both services. I think it can be confusing as to which service it's in. Uh, It's also different to prepare a sermon for one and not the other. And also, um, way more than that, either of those two combined, is I think it's important to have the sacrament as often as we can. And so I asked, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be in here this month or in contemporary, um, but I asked for one month off of serving communion and worship so that we could get our heads around it and understand how we do it so that um, the first Sunday in August, we will begin having communion in contemporary and traditional on the same Sunday of the month. Um, uh, in, in worship, um, the scripture. Um, I'm going to use the NIV because you have the NIV in your pew. Um, but what I do that's um, uh, helpful to some and annoying to some is um, break up the text a good bit. So I only read parts of it. So if you're a read along person, uh, if you'll just hang with me um, as I do that. Um, third, I thought it was great, um, not only do you have talented musicians leading your service, they're thoughtful. Um, leaders, because they were asking about the nature of patriotic music and worship in church. And I, I love that. I love that we were talking about that. I think it's important to wrestle with it. And I thought, so if I'm going to pick a text, um, there, there's going to be a plan of picking Scripture that you'll see um, starting in August that, um, that we'll build off of in every way, in the, in the way I interact with you on Facebook and the way it's in the bulletin and the way we have it in both worship services. Um, but I needed a month for that too um, to get ready and settled. So I thought if I'm going to choose a text for four Sundays to give me that time to get ready, um, my, one of my favorite texts of all time is the book of Jonah. And any church that I've served will tell you that. And it's because it's so... Well, a couple reasons... Um, one is so short Um, I love uh, I'm a Citadel graduate I love Pat Conroy Uh, I I like to read his books but sometimes my goodness he just keeps going like I I got it I understand the creek and I understand the sunset and I understand the pain I got it let's um, let's move forward Um, it's so brief you could read it before you went to lunch and still beat the crowd to lunch if we got out in a reasonable amount of time. Um, you also notice different things each time you read it. It's, um, it's so human. It's got serious pain in it, it's got selfishness in it. It's what, um, uh, if any of you have done disciple Bible study, it's what's called the human condition pain and selfishness, repentance. And redemption are all found in just four, they're not even long chapters, four short chapters. So I thought if we're looking at a text in July, let's look at chapter one on the 5th, chapter two on the 12th, chapter three on the 19th, chapter four on the 26th. And uh, all four chapters are entirely different, entirely different. And it's especially appropriate, I think, to read chapter one today because Jonah the prophet struggles with his love of his nation and his love of his God and what he's to do with other nations when he's in love with God, wanting wanting to help. So use this text many times in many different settings, um, and it's fun to use it in this setting for the first time. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran from the the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Um, That's the thing. Last week I started the practice of right there, saying the word of God for the people of God, in which he would respond... I'm going to save that for the end of the sermon, because I read the text by the end of the sermon. So I'm going to invite you to do that at the end. So, significant points. Jonah is a prophet. So he has a minimum of three critical tasks in that position. One, he's supposed to understand God's will. He's supposed to understand God's will through the reading of the text, through uh, prayer and reflection and hearing God's voice in his heart and his mind. So, um, there's a couple different understandings of the word will when it's in reference to God. And um, I I won't pretend to tell you exactly what to believe about it. Um, But some feel that many things in our life happen exactly as they should. Exactly according to uh, what God would want to happen. That gives that order, whether it's happy or sad, gives them comfort. That order. Um, You'll also hear the opposite side of that, talking about free will. God has a purpose but grants humanity free will. Anyone that's seen a two-year-old run around a room understands free will entirely. I would assume if you've seen a teenager as a parent, you understand free will entirely. And as an adult, when you start making your own choices, God understands entirely what it means to give humanity free will. But yet God continually grants it. So when, when I talk about God's will, I'm talking about a philosophy, a hope, a prayer that God has for human behavior. So if I talk to our girls who are 9 and 11 about practices that we have in public, that we have with adults, that we have with our relatives, that we have with each other, it's concepts, it's hopes that I have for them, but I understand that they're human and they're going to do what they're going to do. And when they do... And when they feel the consequences of it, then we're going to have to talk about it. uh, My girls are still gone until Wednesday, and they generally really get along with each other. But when they get ragged, you know, it can get bad in a hurry. And um, one of them was uh, sort of making fun of the other one in public with the cousins because it was getting some laughs, and that one pushed, which isn't okay either. And You know, he just pulled them away and said, look, you understand what I would want you to do? When we're on the road? I mean, I understand we're going to get into it with each other at the house, and that's going to happen, but what, what do you think I want when we're on the road? And For us to support each other. For <laughs> us to love each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, without the voice. Can you do it without the voice? <laughs> yes. So understanding God's will is the primary task of a prophet. They have to understand what God wants. The second thing you have to understand is, as I mentioned before, what Disciple Bible Study calls the human condition. The prophet has to understand what it's like to be human, to experience loss, pain, joy, brokenness, fatigue, uh, anger, and the total unwillingness to do what God would hope you would do. If the prophet understands those two concepts... If the prophet understands the gap between what God is hoping for and what we are doing, then the prophet has a third task that may be the most difficult of all three, which is to say something about it. Do you like to say hard things to people? it's tough. It's, It's tough to say hard things to relatives. It's tough to say hard things to your spouse. It's tough to say hard things to your business associates, church associates, because more than likely, when you say that hard thing, there's going to be tension. And then what are we going to do about that tension? So for some reason, we just go on with the same practices for 20 years rather than say something for five minutes to that person. So the prophet understands God, understands humans, and talks about the gap in between. And that can go both ways. There's times when, uh, certainly, that God is grumpy and that the prophet is grumpy and is getting on the people and trying to get them to fix it. But there's just as many times as uh, humanity is broken, they think God has abandoned them, and they think there's no hope, and the prophet comes and speaks a message of hope from God. That's equally difficult for the human beings to hear. But that's what a prophet's got to do. So what are the challenges to these tasks? Well, you get busy. You don't read the text enough. You get tired. You don't listen to God enough. You get uh, focused on what you want. You don't pay, you're not paying attention to God's will. If your heart's not breaking for humanity, then you have no desire to tell them. You're fine with them suffering. You don't even like them. You think about how you want to help certain people and you do anything, you'd run out in traffic. And you think about how there's some people in this world that, I don't know, I don't care. There's a cord there, they might trip, I don't care. Maybe they have it coming. There are certain people that our heart does not break for. And then finally, um, the, the impediment can be your unwillingness to say something about it due to fear or fatigue or anger with that person. Any one of these reasons can stop a prophet in their tracks because they're human. Any one. Jonah has two. They have the potential to stop him. One, he's not listening to God's will. God says, "Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it." Hmm. No, I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to run in the other direction, which is funny, like a two-year-old would. Like what? Like Jim Gaffigan's a comedian. He says, "What's your plan?" Like you can't open the door. You can't operate a motor vehicle, two-year-old. Like what? What is your long-term plan of running from me? I'm going to catch you. He runs. Number one, and he doesn't want to listen to God. The reason he runs is number two, his heart does not break for those people. He doesn't care. In fact, he's not neutral to the people of Nineveh. He's hostile to the people of Nineveh. So when he hears God say, go to that great city, go to that great place, and tell those people that they need to change or there's going to be pain and loss and death, He thinks, fantastic. I'd love for all that to happen to those people. As much as can happen to those people, that would be fine with me, so I'm going in the other direction. And he's running. And he hopes that his lack of action will lead to destruction. And if not destruction, at least he doesn't have to deal with it. The weight is simply too much. The Scripture continues in verse 4. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? It's funny, those are the words that they ask at customs when you're coming into a country now. These are the questions that people ask before you board some sort of transportation now. It's crazy that they didn't ask him any of that before he got on the boat. And thinking, um, you know, this is our boat, this is our profession, and here comes some random guy, but uh, he's going to give us a little money, that's fine, we can use the money, do whatever. But here they are in the middle of the storm. And it's interesting, this is now the third person. This is the third party that's in real trouble because of Jonah. God is upset because Jonah is running. The people of Nineveh are at risk because he won't go there. And the people in the ship are in trouble because now he's on the ship running from God. Every turn he makes is putting more people in harm's way. And we'd make fun of it. I'd make fun of it, if not for the fact that we occasionally get in trouble. And when we get in trouble, we don't immediately fix it and address it. We just sort of double down and say, well, let's, you know, let's make it even worse. Let's go even further. Let's ignore it even more. And then we put people at risk. So it's interesting one, as you look at the text, the um, God, the word God in that part of the text is lowercase. So um, we're not talking about our God, we're talking about each person calling out to their own God. And as each person calls out and says, hey, can you do something? Can you fix this? Can you, do, can you stop the storm? Nope, storm's not stopping. Can, can you stop them? No. Nope. Hey, you call out to your God. And the level of their faith is not our God is the Creator and being and the one who um, uh, made us all. It is, uh, hey, call out to Him, see if He notices, Maybe he, maybe He'll fix it. I don't know. That, that's the level of faith. And as human beings, we get that. There are times when we're entirely faithful and there are times when we say, uh, well, just throw something up there and see if it works. We'll see if he notices. See if he cares. See if he does something. So, he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the captain says, how can you sleep down here? So, um, just your... Uh, gospel gospel moment of the day. Who else was really grumpy that somebody was sleeping at the bottom of the book? The disciples were entirely upset that Jesus was sleeping at the bottom of the book. And I made the, you know, pop culture references pop in my head all the time, especially when I'm walking to church about a particular sermon because it's on the brain. I can't remember what movie or show this was, but someone said, if you got two people on prison, one innocent and one guilty, the guilty one will sleep. That's because the guilty one knows the entire story, knows they're caught, and knows that it's over. It's the innocent one. Is, what is any of this? What am I going to do? And what's going to happen going forward? There's a knowledge of uh, the environment. So Jesus sleeps in a boat just as Jonah slept in a boat. And the gospel writers are really um, uh, intentional about pointing that out so that you understand as a reader, a believer of Jesus, hey, he's tied to these people back here. You know how you believe in these people back here? You know how they're significant? Mm -hmm. Jesus is like that. Okay. And you tie it back. So Jonah's action and lack of action and his napping has placed all three at risk. And he says, get up and do something. You've got to do something, storm rolling in. Um, so my girls are at Edisto Beach. We've gone there since uh, I was, uh, my goodness, a uh, freshman in high school. A friend of Katie's and then a date of Katie's and then engaged to Katie and then married to Katie and now parent with Katie and then one day they're, we may be grandparents in that place. We're looking out on the porch and everybody's playing ladder ball and the biggest monster of a storm is rolling in um, how many of us just kept doing what we were doing? None. All of us started to grab something and get inside. We've got to do something. Something, a massive thing is coming. We've got to do something about it. He was doing nothing. Then they say, what is the country of your origin? That's a big deal to them. It's a really big deal to not trust people on the other side of the border. And it's also uh, mostly the practice of nations to want their nation to be blessed and to struggle with asking for the blessing of other nations, to struggle with asking for the blessing of enemy nations. So he says, "Um, what country are you from? What are you doing here? He answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Because people directly tie action to um, storms. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked Him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not because the sea grew even wilder than before. Could it be any more human to ask what they need to do and then he tells them what to do and then they're not willing to do it? And they're like, no, we'll just paddle it out. We'll do it ourselves. We're veterans. No, it's not going to take that. It's going to take you throwing me in the water. Meanwhile, they're acknowledging the fact that his God is the one that created the storm, and he's asking him them to throw him into the water, which they figure, no question, will kill them, kill him. And they're thinking, you want us to kill you who's connected to that, who created this? That's a terrible idea. He says, no, you got to do it. They cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, and is it lowercase or capital in the Bible? Capital. We're starting to acknowledge. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And this the men at this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows to him. So same as the disciples when the storm was calmed in Mark it freaks them out more that the storm was calmed than the fact that the storm was there. And they call out to the Lord and say, we want, to, we, we want to honor you and offer sacrifice. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for how many days and nights? Which is similar to whom? OK, solid BBS answer, Jesus. So, same as Jesus in the tomb for three nights. That's a wild roller coaster of a story that started with the fact that a person who had a job of doing whatever God wanted struggled with doing it because he didn't like the other country. So um, I, I went to, is it called Freedom Fest? Last Saturday. Went to Freedom Fest. Awesome job, awesome music, awesome snacks. My only disappointment is the line was just too long for a um, funnel cake. Really would have loved to get a funnel cake, but I just wasn't committed to it. Awesome job celebrating the veterans. And obviously being a graduate of military school, and most of my friends going in the military, you know, I couldn't love their sacrifice in our country anymore, and I think that's fine. I just want us all to understand that we need to hold those two things in tension, our love of God and our love of country, such that if our God calls us to love another, we will love them with our whole heart and our whole mind. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, You have graced us with so much and have pursued us in every single way possible. And as we sometimes sleepwalk through this life not paying attention or as we um, directly on purpose ignore your will, we ask that you wake us, jar us, help us to understand that there is a storm and that we can be a part of fixing it, that your call on our lives is to reach out to others. In your son's name we pray. Amen. A final hymn, if you'll stand as you are able, for America the Beautiful. And there is an interlude between verse 1 and verse 2. So as you go forth from this place, please sing uh, our patriotic songs as hard as you possibly can and celebrate everything that we are. And in so doing always remember what God calls us to do in reaching out in our thoughts, in our words and in our deeds to others. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.